instant ramen. It's very, very cheap, very, very convenient, which makes it super popular amongst college students and other people who just do not want to be spending tons of money on food. And, you know, it tastes pretty good. You can even dress it up by adding vegetables, adding your own stuff to it. And that's what makes it the perfect New Year's food. So today is going to be the final podcast episode of 2020. And to wrap um, up our year, we're going to be talking about some little habits and some things you can do to plan for a better 2021. I'm your host, Brooke, and I really like to plan stuff. I really like to have my life in order and organized. And obviously, it's not like that 100% of the time. And I'm not always perfectly 100% on top of my habits and all of the things that I want to do. And I definitely procrastinate um, occasionally quite a bit. But... um. You know, it's still something that I really like to do, and it's still something that I try to do and try to maintain, and um, I do have a study gram, <laughs> so that's that. But um, yeah, so this episode is a little bit different from the ones before because we're not really going to be talking about some deep motivational kind of topic, and this is more about organization stuff, but I like organization and I think this could be very helpful in our current situation so yeah let's begin I think everyone is getting quite tired of 2020 already and we're eager for a fresh start but I was reading my year reflections from the past few years I've been writing them for about five years but the ones from the last three years really stuck out to me because um, before that, I was pretty young, and honestly, whatever I wrote didn't make that much sense. But um, the, from the last three years, I just, it kind of really stuck with me because, okay, 2018, that was a, I guess, I thought it was like a pivotal year for me. So I guess it kind of was, but obviously not as much as 2020. But anyway, so I had described 2018 as like, not good, not bad. It had ups and downs. It was a roller coaster. There were um, a lot of things that I did that year, and I um, got a lot of things that year. I kind of like found out a bunch of things that year, I guess. And I was just like, I know next year is going to be a really tough year, but I can do it. Um, wait, no, I said, I know next year is going to be a really tough year, but and I will struggle a lot, but I know I can do it. And I was like, dang, because I hadn't read that reflection since I wrote it. So then I read my 2019 reflection, which was just like, this year was horrible. It was so hard. It was awful. But um, I learned how to love myself. And I learned that I have value and that I deserve life. And I read that after reading 2018, and I was like, dang, I really predicted the future, didn't I? And yeah, 2019 was like, this year was horrible, but the result was worth it. And now I'm ready for 
better decade for 2020. It's going to be amazing. And then 2020. So I always write my reflections on Christmas Day. So I recently wrote my 2020 reflection just a few days ago on Friday. So I checked it out and, well, I mean, like I just read reread it after I wrote it. And it was just about how 2020 was kind of a year where everyone was struggling. There was like, obviously we're going through something so big and it's a global trauma. And I wrote about that. And actually, I feel like I would say that my year has been better than 2019, but it's definitely changed a lot of things. And I wrote about how much has changed and the things I learned and the things that I accomplished this year because I truly did a lot. And I think this year was truly the most pivotal pivotal year of my life so far. Um, but of course, reading these reflections, it seems like I thought all three years were pivotal. But I would definitely say 2020 has been the most pivotal year of my life so far. And obviously, it seems like I was expecting something great each year and that didn't necessarily happen but um I did get a lot of valuable experiences out of each year which um I really still appreciate and I my biggest message to 2020 was dear 2020 you were so hard but you were necessary and I still believe that like 2020 was such a weird such a horrible and such a strange year but we all truly got a lot of out of it and yeah we did get a lot out of it but now we're ready for it to be over so yeah so in my reflection I described 2021 as a year of healing that may or may not be true it may or may not be worse than this year but um either way I'm gonna try for it to be a year of healing for me and I hope it can be a year of healing for you guys too so yeah okay that was a little tangent let's get on to planning for 2021 so why should you have a planning system i know not everyone likes to have a planner and not everyone likes to have all their days planned out perfectly but in my opinion it is very important to kind of at least know what you kind of want and have like a vague idea at the very least and you can plan into however much detail you want however much works for you obviously the same planning method is not going to work for everyone so there are people who like to use bullet journals like me and people who like to use store-bought planners and people who like to make to-do lists on paper people who like to make to-do lists on the notes app on their phone or on computer people who like to use notion or other apps like that like evernote and stuff like that um there's just a ton of ways that you can plan and some of them are really simple like writing down a to-do list some of them are a lot more complex like bullet journaling but there really is something for everyone and i would highly highly encourage everyone to start uh planning and having some sort of organization system in their life because it is a lot harder to lose motivation and to not get anything done when you, everything is just a mess. Um, not only physically, like if your desk is a mess, you probably won't be as productive, but also if your life isn't really in order, 
it'll be a lot easier for you to lose motivation. So you want to try to organize as much as possible. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with not being perfectly organized all the time. No one is perfectly organized all the time, but I think you should try. And yeah, so let's dive into some ways that you can plan. Okay, so the first um, method, I guess, would be analog planners. And the ones that I have in mind are a traditional store-bought planner, a bullet journal, and to-do list, or just a notebook where you can write down stuff. So let's go with a traditional planner first. This is a pre-made notebook that has calendars and space for you to write in events. So um, you could just go to the store if you were interested in this, and there would be a variety of planners available for you somewhere in some stores. I know that's very vague, but I know there's like planner sections at Target and um, probably other supermarkets like Walmart. Um, I'm not really sure. I haven't bought a planner in a long time, but um, you can just literally search a planner and tons of results will come up. So um, I recommend seeing it in person or like seeing pictures of it and reviews of it so you can see what it looks like on the inside because that's what you're going to be using and it's pre-made so you can't really change anything but everything is already made for you so if you pick one that you really like minimal effort is required and it can be super effective and easy but I would say that the cons are it might not suit your purposes and it might be harder to seek out your perfect planner. So that would be a traditional planner. And another method you can use if you don't like the traditional planner is a bullet journal. So this is kind of like a plain blank um, dotted or grid or just plain notebook that you can customize for your own purposes. And this is the main planning system that I use. So you can customize it to your liking and you can make your own kind of planner spreads and use spreads that you know you'll need and cons are it obviously requires more time and effort and it can be more expensive but the thing about a bullet journal is that if you go on instagram and stuff there obviously is a bullet journal community that i am part of but um i feel like this community emphasizes aesthetics more than anything else and you kind of always need to have like pretty spreads and people are focused on how it looks rather than the actual usage of the bullet journal so um keep in mind that you do not need to be good at art at all to use a bullet journal and you do not need to be good at calligraphy you do not need to make your bullet journal fancy you can just use it for the purpose and that is literally enough if you just want to be able to have your own customizable spreads and you don't want to add any sort of embellishments you don't want to draw at all you don't want to do anything you just want to draw some boxes and kind of like write some headers and stuff that is totally okay if you go to if you just search up the bullet journal method and you look at the og bullet journal method you can see that it is a very minimal style there's not really any art of course that is a part that has been added on that i personally really enjoy but you totally don't have to get involved in the art or anything like that if it doesn't interest you and if you don't really want to be part of that type of community I guess but um yeah please do not feel pressured at all into doing the art part of it 
even though perso- personally it's fun for me. And there are so many spreads that you can make in a bullet journal, which is what I personally really enjoy about it. So I think the spreads that I use the most for yearly, I use the future log. And I also have, um, what else do I have? I also have, sorry, the, wow, I really do not remember, huh? Okay, I have the future log, I have, okay, I have this last replaced spread that was inspired by StudyQuill, where I can kind of track when was the last time I replaced some of the items I use, like my contacts and my toothbrush. I have, wow, hard for me to remember this. Oh yeah, I have a book tracker, so like, all the books I'm reading, and I have a year in pixel spread, so I kind of put how I'm feeling every single day, and at the end of the year, you can just look at all of the colors, all of the pixels in one page, which I think is really cool. Um, I have goals, and I have my 2020 reflection, my 2021 looking forward pages, which are also inspired by study goal. And um, I have a bucket list page. I think that's all I have. It's probably not, but that's all I remember for now. So those are the yearly spreads I use most often. And then for each month, I have like a cover page and a calendar. And then I have a playlist page for my monthly playlist. So it's kind of fun to look back on the music I enjoyed at certain months. And um, then I have a habits tracker page for the month and a highlights page where every day I write the highlight of the day. And then I have a sleep tracker. And then I have weekly spreads that kind of have space for me to write my to-do lists for every single day. So that's how I use my bullet journal. But you can obviously change it up a lot and you can put in whatever spreads that you'll use the most in it. That's what I like about bullet journaling. Okay, so those are some... Okay, wait. Another analog method that you could use is just having like a notebook and you can just write your to-do list in it or kind of just scribble notes in it and... You don't need to worry about how it looks at all, and um, you don't need to make any kind of spreads beforehand. Either you can just use the notebook and use it however you like along the way. That would be the analog methods that I have in mind. There may be more. Um, Those are just the ones I have in mind. And, of course, in our growing digital age, there are a lot of ways that you can plan digitally. So... If you have an iPad, which is super expensive, so if you don't have an iPad, don't get an iPad just to do this. But if you do already have an iPad or if you're considering getting one because you're like an art student or you're going to be using it a lot for school and you're going to be heavily using it, um, I only recommend getting it if you really, really need it because it's so expensive. Um, Obviously, there are a lot of people who like to do bullet journaling on their iPads with like Procreate and stuff like that and personally that looks a little bit 
complicated for me, but um, if that's something you're interested in and you happen to have an iPad, I'd say you can definitely check it out, but don't buy an iPad just to do that because that's a waste of money. Okay, and then of course there are other apps and websites that you can use to kind of plan and organize your life. So you can use any variation of a classic calendar app, like you can use the one that comes with whatever device you have, um, and you can use that to track events, assignments, and you can also use it to time block your day, um, which I'm going to talk about later. And you can also use the notes app, which is easy for notes, lists, to-do lists, and more. And there are tons, tons of apps that you can use for planning. I definitely recommend doing a deep dive and kind of searching them. But the ones that I like the most, um, I would say Now Then. Um, this is an app that helps you see where your time is going throughout the day. So um, it's definitely a very useful app. And I'm not very deep into this app, but it seems very helpful so far from what I've used it for. And there are a lot of apps that you can use for the sole purpose of to-do lists. So um, there's Todoist, um, to-do, like um, the French to-do, and Google Keep and Evernote. And these sorts of apps can also help you make your to-do lists like really nice and organized. And I think there's also one called Minimalist, which is like a minimal to-do list type of app. And for Teams, Trello and Monday.com are great um, alternatives for, like, Teams specifically. Um, but you can also use Trello um, just for one person, I think. And another type of app that you can use um, to kind of split your time is, like, Pomodoro timers. And they're not necessarily for the sole purpose of, you know planning but they are good apps to help you time block um so some of the apps that you can use are pomo done focus to do 3030 and forest and they're all good apps to help you split your times into pomodoro sections though you can't really use these to write to-do lists i think but um my personal favorite pomodoro timer is forest I am obsessed with that app, and it has kept me off my phone a lot. I used to have like five hours of screen time or more a day, and now I have less than one hour a day because I'm just obsessed with this app, and it has kept me off my phone and off of random websites on my computer. So I highly recommend it, and my favorite one is Notion. Notion is probably my favorite digital planning type of app it's like a website app where you can literally keep everything organized into one place and this is a really complicated app there's so many features of it and i'm honestly considering making a single episode just to talk about this one app but um you can literally just keep everything organized in one place and it is so cool I think I'm going to make an episode dedicated to this app. But if you're interested, feel free to watch videos about how you can use this app if you possibly are interested in it. And I highly recommend it. But yeah, of course, there are a ton more 
apps and websites that you can use. But those are just some that I'm familiar with and that I personally really like. But if you want to see more, just feel free to search up like productivity apps, planning apps, organization apps, and a ton more will show up. So yeah, those are all the methods that you can plan with that I'm familiar with. All right, so now we're familiar with some sort of planners. Now I'm going to be talking about actual methods for kind of organizing your time. So the first one is time blocking. And I used to use this so much and I loved it when I used it, but I did stop because my life is a lot more uncertain now. So if your life is pretty uncertain and you don't really have a clue of what your day-to-day is going to look like, then I don't really recommend this method. But if you are always sure of what's going to happen each day, then definitely this method is a lifesaver. Time blocking basically for every single part of the day, um, and you can make this however frequent you want, you want to be writing down the time and then what you're going to be doing at that specific time. So um, a lot of people like to split it into like certain increments, certain intervals. So like every half hour they would um, write something. But honestly, I might do something that doesn't take a whole half hour. So I just write, when I use this method, I just um, write everything that I want to do and then how much time I'm going to allocate towards that. So Okay, so you might be a little confused. This is a lot harder to explain without showing any visuals, but um, so here's like a sample and okay, so let's say this person on Monday, their schedule is 11 a.m. Research, 2 p.m. Tea with Emily, 5 p.m. Study math, 8 p.m. Meditation. So Obviously, this is a very, very small example since they only had four different things that day. And obviously, they probably have to do a lot more than that. Like they have to eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, stuff like that. And none of that was included in this because the table is too small. But um, on your piece of paper, in your notebook, whatever you may be using to time block, you can definitely go into way more details. So Personally, what I do is I just write down all the things I want to do in the day and then I try to fit as much of it as I can. So something I would say would be more like, let's say, okay, 5 a.m. wake up, 4.45 a.m. wake up, 5 a.m. jump rope, um, 5.20 a.m. study French, I do languages in the morning. And then 5.40 a.m., study vocabulary. I always study some English vocabulary as well in the morning. And then 6 a.m., write. I give myself time to write every day in the morning. And then 6.30 a.m., run. And then that is my morning run. And then that's for 30 minutes. And then 7 a.m., um... 7 a.m., get dressed, to change, wash your face, brush your teeth, all of that. And um, 7.20 a.m., breakfast. And then 7.45 a.m., school, like on a school day. That would be 
my school time and then school would be until 11:40. So during this time I wouldn't make more intervals just for um the same thing that I'm doing because I'm still in school. So the next interval I would have would be at 11:40, which is when my school ends. And then after that I would go um 11:40 to 12 meditate and then after that I would say 12 to 12:30 lunch and then 12:30 to 1:30 piano and then 1:30 to 2:30 oh 1:30 to let's say I want to study something what okay. or do some homework for some class so then I would do I would write the class and the assignments that I need to do in this interval um and then sometimes the intervals would be 30 minutes sometimes they would be um 45 minutes and sometimes they would be one hour depending on how long I thought I needed for that assignment and regardless of whether I finished the assignment or not I would always just stop after the time interval has been done and move on unless the assignment was really urgent but then I'd give myself a lot of time to do it so I never really had that problem before with running out of time but um I did I was not always able to complete the assignment in my interval but that's okay because it wasn't due that day anyway so I just took a break and moved on so and then I would have my homework intervals until around 3 30 and then at 3 30 to 4 would be my reading interval and then after that I would have my classes um, that I teach so that would go on until the evening and then the evening I would have dinner and then I, yeah I would block out all those classes and then I block out my dinner time and then I block out my walk after dinner and then I block out um, my workout after the walk and then after if I still had any homework left after my workout then I would fit that into the night and then go to sleep. Yeah, that's pretty much my school day. So, yeah. So that's my school day. And kind of just, um, some people prefer to write down every single half hour, like 1.30, even if they didn't actually need all of that. Like, if it was just the same thing that was happening. So, like, if I was in school for four hours, they would just write 7.45, 8.45, 9.45. But the task would all be um, school. So, if you prefer to do that, that's okay. But if you prefer to just be like me and just write the times when you're switching the task, then that could also be okay. And it really just depends on your preference. So, that's time blocking. I know I didn't really explain it well, but uh, basically it's when at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, you're writing down your entire schedule for the whole day and you're literally going to keep track of every single time when you're going to do something so that if you get off track, you just need to switch to the task and you are never unsure of what you want to do because decision fatigue is a real thing. You can get tired just from thinking about what to do. So if your life is certain enough for you to know um, that you'll have the ability to time block, then 
I definitely highly recommend doing time blocking. But this may not be for you if you don't really know what's going to happen some days, which is what is happening to me now. <laughs> okay, so yeah. And other work session techniques is you can do the Pomodoro technique, which involves doing work for 25 minutes followed by a five minute break and repeating this until your work is done. Um, this is really important because you need to be taking breaks during your work session so that you're, you don't get like overwhelmed and start forgetting stuff. Um, so you can change the length of the interval. So if you wanted, you could do 60 minutes and then followed by a 10 minute break. Um, Usually what I like to do is 60 or 120 um, in forest. I like to do either 60 or 120. So 60 be followed by a 10 minute break and 120 be followed by a 15 minute break. Um, yeah, um, I don't really use this anymore, but I used to use this method. But um, if you prefer longer work sessions like I do, like sometimes the hard part is just to start and then I can get into a flow state for a long time, that's kind of what I work like now, then you can definitely do a flow session. So that might be two or three or four hours, depending on how long your task is or how many tasks you want to do at once. And then after that, I definitely recommend taking like a bigger break and possibly taking a nap. Like if you're almost done with your work I definitely recommend taking a nap if you're still having a lot of work to do after that I don't recommend taking a nap because you might just fall asleep and waste your entire afternoon but um but I definitely recommend taking a nap because it can actually help you remember the information better so if you know that it won't be harmful if you waste a little bit more time accidentally if you oversleep then I definitely recommend taking a nap and I would say 10 or 15 minutes or 20 minutes at max to make sure you're not getting groggy after that but um you might oversleep so you should be very careful with the naps but they can help you remember things so that's fun and then more ways is the 80 20 rule so for your entire work time you should be completely focused and engaged for at least 20% of the time. So during that 20% of the time, you're completely engaged and focused into your work. And for the other 80, of course, you're still working, but you may still get distracted from time to time by notifications on your phone, but obviously you're still going to be working. And you want to find your productive time. So find the time of the day when you're the most productive, when yeah, we all have times when our brains are the most focused and the most active and you will kind of want to track your energy throughout the day rather than um, rather than trying to force yourself to do things every single time of the day. So some people are more productive at night. That is not me at night. I just want to sleep. I just want to get into bed. And the entire time if I'm working at night, I'm just like, okay, I'm getting tired, I'm getting sleepy, can I please go to bed? So then I won't be as focused. Um, so I'm the most productive in the morning because it gives the illusion that I have a lot of time left in the day. So I like to have a lot of stuff in the morning. 
Um, I like to do a lot of stuff in the morning when I can. So, yeah. And I'm very, very drained of energy after lunch. And then I regain some energy in the evening. And then I lose more energy when it's around bedtime. So my energy schedule, I guess, is probably a lot different from other people. And you may be more energized after lunch or you may be more energized at night. I don't know. It depends on you. So whatever your energy schedule looks like, you want to put more focused tasks and harder tasks for you to do during that time. And you want to have more easier and shorter tasks for when you're having less energy so that it's not overwhelming. But yeah, those are some ways that you can um, manage your time better. And finally, we're going to be talking about habits. Habits, habits, habits. So why should you build habits? Progress is not about chasing goals. It's about persisting little by little. And habits will stick and you'll continue to benefit after meeting your goals. So think about this. If your goal is to have a clean room, you might accomplish that by cleaning your room once. Let's say your room is a mess and you clean it and now it is perfectly clean. Seems great, right? But now that you've met your goal, you're just going to go about your day and it's going to get messy all over again. And then what will be the point? You'll look at it and it will still be horribly messy. But if you make it a habit to clean your room a little bit every single day, then you will have a clean room for much longer and your room will always be clean pretty much. So as you can see, if you're setting just a goal and you're chasing that goal, what's going to happen after you meet it? Or what's going to happen if you don't meet it? So you don't rise to your goals, you fall to your systems, which is a quote from James Clear from Atomic Habits, which is a really good book. I recommend you guys read it. So I guess it's still not a bad thing to have goals. Obviously, if you have goals, I just recommend setting up habits that will help you reach that goal. So for me, my goal, I guess, would be to write a book, but the way I accomplished it was to, um, was to make a habit of writing a thousand words every day. So no matter how unmotivated I was, I made it my goal to write a thousand words and just push through and meet that a thousand words because otherwise I would just never write if I was always in writer's block. So yeah, so when I set the goal of write a book, I set this a long time ago. I set this all the way back in 2018. I was like, write a book this year. And obviously, since I didn't have the habit, I didn't do it. I didn't write a book because I didn't have a method to approach that goal because that's like a really big goal, you know? Writing a book is a big thing and I just didn't have any habits that would help me reach it. So it was not a very easy goal. But when I made it a habit to write a thousand words every single day, I was able to write a lot more. And yeah, so this year 
I've actually written far more than I have any other year because of this habit. And I think it's very important to set habits instead of setting goals. But of course, you can still have a goal in your head, but you need to have habits that will help you accomplish that. So I definitely think it's important to establish habits that are healthy and important to your goals. So if your goal is to lose weight, um, obviously you could just lose the weight and then gain it back again after you um, reach it. And then you're like, oh yeah, I lost the weight now. So now I'm just going to go back to my life before. So um, if you want to maintain your health, you kind of want want to um, make it a goal to constantly eat healthy and make healthier lifestyle choices rather than just, oh yeah, lose weight. Like, I guess there are a lot of unhealthy ways that you could lose weight. And let's say that you did those unhealthy ways and then you lost the weight. And then after you lost it, you just gained it back again, which is sort of what happened to me, <laughs> actually, when I was having a very unhealthy relationship with my body. But now, instead of setting a goal that says lose XX number of pounds, I instead, I made a habit of eating healthy every day and working out every day and stretching every day. And it's been a lot better for my body, even though I'm not losing any weight. And it's been better because instead of losing weight, I've been able to um, accept my body more and love my body for what it is and not aspire to lose more weight, you know, and this is going off a tangent, but body neutrality. Our bodies are just bodies. They're good no matter what they look like. They are not good because they're skinny. They're not good because they look a certain way. They're good because they're a body. And that's that. So, okay, that was a little tangent, but overall, building habits is very, very, very good and important. And I definitely recommend doing it for 2021. So, if you're scared, I definitely just recommend thinking of five habits that you really want to stick with. So, I think my five OG habits were take my vitamins every day, um, read every day. Uh, drink enough water every day, sleep enough every day, and I think the last one was work out every day. So those are my five habits, my five OG habits, and obviously I have a lot more now, but um, I definitely recommend choosing five if you don't know where to begin, and think about what kind of stuff you want in 2021, like what kind of life do you want to live? Maybe think about your goals and come up with five that can help you reach the life that you want to reach the goals that you want to reach. And yeah, also make them something you can accomplish every day, like not something super difficult and unreasonable. So yeah, that's about setting habits. And yeah, that's pretty much all I have for today. But I hope you guys take the time to think about what kind of life you want in 2021 and think about how you can reach it. I know stuff is super uncertain right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't try to get your life organized and get back on track. And it's okay to fall off, but that doesn't mean you have to stay off forever.
So remember, it's totally okay to take a break and to celebrate. And one of the best ways that you can do is with instant ramen. Okay, see you guys later. Bye. Dollar Store Sandwiches is now available to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen to your podcasts. To visit all of these platforms, go to our link tree at linktr.ee slash dsspodcast. You can even add your own suggestions, questions, comments, concerns for our podcast using the suggestions form at the bottom of our link tree. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, share the podcasts, and there will be new episodes every Sunday. See you soon.